Hello everybody, welcome to the show and welcome to episode 99. Alright guys, we're back again. Um, yeah, so I'm always kind of posting in certain groups and everything, just trying to, you know, kind of scout out more uh, good guests and, you know, so uh, this guy reached out to me, um, we started talking and so we're just going to kind of get to know each other just through the interview, say screw it. Um, so yeah, but do you want to just kind of introduce yourself? Yeah, it's a pleasure to be on, man. Uh, my name's Matt. Uh, I'm basically a disabled entrepreneur, like so many of you out there. And basically, I'm a professional wrestling promoter. So I uh, look forward to giving you a bit of my backstory. I'm based in England. So, uh, yeah, it's all good. It's all good to speak to a, uh, another brother from a different mother or from across the pond. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> right. Um so obviously, before we get into kind of what you do now and you know your current life, why don't we kind of start from the beginning? Obviously, what 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 is your disability? Uh, I've got learning difficulties, so dyslexia. Um, uh, probably got a mental age of probably a fourteen-year-old, so it's always been learning difficulties. Physically, I don't have any disability. Um, I'm, I'm able-bodied. Um, you know, thank the Lord I am. I mean, so many people are not even able-bodied. So when I talk about my disability, um, when people say to me about my disability, dyslexia and stuff like that, I, I sometimes say that I, I'm fortunate to have just a little disability because there's people out there who probably will be listening to this who, are, you know, can't even walk or pick a phone up or something like that who are far, far worse off than me. So I hope with this interview it gives a bit of hope and encouragement to people of all different disabilities. Right. Yeah. But I mean, you know, there's still a lot of hurdles and from what you had to go through and uh, it's a slow process. And, you know, I think that's what we kind of do. A lot of times we compare ourselves to people who are worse and we just go, ah, it's not that bad, but it doesn't mean your life isn't hard. It's just not as hard as some. And at least you can see that and know that, and that you can still appreciate life without having to worry about, you know, all oh, my life isn't the worst or my life is the worst. And, you know, I can't go on because there's a lot of people that are mentally crippled because they, they just think their life is pointless because of having a disability. When in your case, you're, you know, you're doing the best and you're, you're doing great in life. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, if, if you think about jumping hurdles, I mean, but uh, jumping over the barriers, I mean, I've been going through that my whole life and where I live in England, I don't know if you know England very well, it's, totally different to the United States but you know I come from a little town called Cheltenham and uh, when I was born I was probably one of the only um, my father's from Jamaica so I'm obviously half Jamaican and half British that's where I get my lovely tan from but um, uh, you know when I was when I was growing up there was hardly any uh, black people in the area I lived in so definitely I did have to overcome a lot of obstacles early on in life before I knew but I had dyslexia. They didn't actually find out I had this disability until I was about 16. And when we finish school in the UK, we finish at 16. So by the time I'm ready to finish school and go out into the hard world that you do, uh, you know, I, I've now found that I got a disability, a, a dyslexia, and I had to learn how to read and write again. So, yeah, it was it was hard, but, you know, you do get through these things. What 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 was like? What did you or your family? What did they think that was actually wrong with you? I mean, obviously you sh- showed signs; they just kind of ignored it. But what what 
was there any kind of thought process in your head going like, oh, maybe this, maybe that? Well, my mum, I I grew up in a single parent family. Um, uh, My mum always said to the teachers school, I have dyslexia. I couldn't do my shoelaces up. I couldn't tell the time. Uh, I have I have the signs of dis- a person who has got dyslexia, uh, but obviously you know we're talking like I was born in '79 when I was at school. This was the early '80s. I mean, dyslexia wasn't really, you know, not many people looked at it even in the United States, which are probably more advanced than we are here in the United Kingdom. So you know, it, it wasn't so it wasn't looked upon. It wasn't. It was just you know you're a bit slow or a bit thick or something like that. That's what, that's what they used to say years ago. But now, obviously, it's a, a recognised disability and, and now it's treated and dealt with properly in the, in the, in the right manner, if you know what I mean. Right. So so what? how did you feel about when you got that diagnosis of being dys- dyslexic? What? what uh, yeah. Well, it, it was kind of a blessing because then I knew I had I could go when I went to an exam or, you know, when I had to read something or spell something, I could tell someone that I've got dyslexia or I have problems with my reading and writing and stuff like that. And then you sort of get the help that you you need. But until then, it was very hard. I mean, you know, I was expelled from school when I was about 13. I was in trouble with the police. And it it was all because of this disability, because I couldn't read and write. I couldn't. My thought process was totally different to everyone else's. And it wasn't that I was a troublemaker in the class. It was just, you know, I, I couldn't do the work that everyone else could do. So, you know, if you can't do it, you have to find yourself some other. And, you know, teenagers, they get up to mischief and you think you know the clown class the class clown so that's what i did what were some of the things that you did that got you expelled like was it really that bad or is it just you know they just thought you were acting up no it was it was pretty bad i mean it was fighting with with other kids and you know just you know the, the normal stuff kids do it wasn't like anything like uh serious or you know but you know after a while they 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 think to themselves, well, we give him one chance, second chance, third chance, fourth chance, well, you know, fifth chance, I think it's time for him to leave now. <laughs> so, you know, it, it was time for me to leave. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I guess it probably was a blessing that you got your diagnosis. The only thing is, because I know some people, when they get certain labels like that, that's when they kind of want to try to hide it, because then people know, like, oh, that's what's wrong with you, and, and people look at you in a different light. Yeah, it was actually, um, I, I got into trouble. I mean, I don't tell anyone to go and get yourself into trouble with the law, but it was actually when I got in trouble with the police for, for fighting again. Uh, my mum spoke to basically like a social worker, or I don't know what, what they are in the United States, a uh, youth yeah. worker. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and the youth worker basically said to the, the judge, uh, this kid's got some mental problem or some sort of disability we need to, saw and um, the judge put the test at the school I went to and the tests were found that I had dyslexia and um, it was funny because I, I think I had a thing where I had to be in front of the judge for six months and they skipped it all and it was done and over and done within four months and I can remember the judge saying uh, I never want to see you ever again but I'm very happy to see you in this courtroom this morning and you're doing really well and good luck to you young man. And uh, that was the day I, I looked at myself and said, look, I've, I've done something. I've achieved something here. I've, I've done and got through what I had to do and, and got off four, uh, three months earlier than, you know, I was supposed to do. And, and, you know, and I got through it. And that was the last time I ever got into any trouble in my life because that judge had given me five minutes of his time. And, you know, and he, and he praised me when I'd done what I, what I was asked to do. So at 15 years old, you know, I was a 
you know, a, a man ready to take on the world then, so to speak. Right. Now, when, when you were like acting out, was it, were you just kind of angry or were you getting bullied? Like what was kind of your uh, thought process? I, I just, I, I just think I was just uh, angry and, you know, a bit of a bully. <laughs> you know, I, I was, you know, hitting the smart kids and probably hanging around with the other kids that dyslexia. So yeah, I was acting out and, right. you know, probably, you know, just a lack of attention and, you know, knew I could put it down, knew what I wanted to say, but I couldn't put it down on paper. So, you know, right, so and you, then being told you, you can't be what you want to be because you ain't never going to get this grade or, you know, people put you in boxes, which I'm sure in the United States it happens just like it does in England. I would say all around the world. And, right. um, you know, if, if you're in a certain category, people like to box you in. And that's what I'm not. I'm not. You shouldn't be boxed in. You, you can do anything you want in this world and you can achieve anything. Right. It's just about perseverance and just, you know, how, how, praying the big man above hears you, and I think he does, you know, and uh, you'll get there. So was it So it was kind of like an inner anger with yourself, like you couldn't express yourself. The only way you could really show it and not completely stick out because of your disability or whatever you thought it was at the time, you would just fight and hit people and do stupid shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was, yeah, yeah. It was like, you know, I had all the girls after me and, you know, um, so I'm thinking to myself, I can't be disabled. No, I work all the girls after me. You don't see that on telly. And, you know, it was kind of that, you know, and I, I used to watch like the 80s movies, you know, like the Rocky and Rambo movies. And, you know, you just thought, well, if you were going to go away, it doesn't really happen that way, you know. So, yeah, it was kind of was just acting out and, you know, no one was there to help. And it, it felt like no one cared at the time. Right. Well, that's what happens with a lot of people that are in that situation maybe not like the the jocks the ones that are well even them a lot of them they're they're insecure because it's like they know if they didn't have their position at their sport uh people wouldn't pay attention to them so and they they probably lack a personality they lack something in your case you had something that's holding you back and you didn't really know what it was so you're trying to cover it up by just doing anything that will not draw the attention to the one thing that you're afraid of everyone kind of knowing um and so you just, you do stuff like that because, you know, and I think a lot of people do that. There, there's a lot of people, and yeah, obviously you're young and, and you had a real reason, you had a disability, but there's a lot of people that are so insecure that it's just, they're going to do whatever they can to kind of cover up the one thing that really, uh, you know, you see a lot of guys who are like straight or, or excuse me, who are gay, but they act straight just so that their friends don't see that they're gay. So they do stupid stuff by teasing other people and doing whatever, but deep down they're just really sad and, and lonely and, and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Totally agree with you, my friend. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so, um, did you say, so do you think, you know, in, in the area you were in, was it a predominantly white area? Yeah, said, definitely. You yeah. said you were black. So do you, do you feel like it was harder for you to overcome the, the, the racial proponent or the, the disability proponent? I think it was both. I mean, you know, I think what it was, is it's, you know, we've got the um, black kid in our school and no one cared, basically. And that's what it was until that judge found out I had this dyslexia and then things started changing for me. I knew then I had this disability and I knew then I would have to work harder. And then I sort of, in my young head then, I was probably about 14 and a half. I probably wasn't even 15 at the time um, thinking about it. But when, when I started processing it in my head and I just thought what my mum used to say to me, whatever you do, you're going to have to be better at. And that's when I started challenging myself to read uh, wrestling magazines. That's how I taught myself to read. And 
you know, I read wrestling magazines and stuff like that because I was intrigued by it. And I'll come on to that in a bit. But so I had to teach myself to do a lot of things to read and write and stuff like that. So I did. I taught myself a lot of things, which other kids did, you know, really at six years old. I was doing this at 14 and a half, 15, when, you know, your brain's supposed to be getting ready for the next stage of life, I guess. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, that's kind of, I think there's always, especially kids who are kind of lonely and, and just battling something, whether it's mental health or whatever disability or just whatever, loneliness. Um, hold on, my cat is climbing across the table. Get out of here. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, they, they seem to find something to gravitate towards that kind of changes their outlook and, and helps them um, just live um, you know, I, I remember as a kid, and we'll get into wrestling and all that. But I, I was really big into wrestling when I was a kid, and um, but yeah, there's always something that kind of, especially you know, being dyslexic and and having heart trouble reading. But you found something that you kind of just like woke you up, and uh, it it made you kind of push harder to to try to read. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Um, can can you tell people just for for people who don't know, like what what in your mind, the definition of like this dyslexia, like how does it impact you on a daily basis? On a daily basis, I would say dyslexia is word blindness. That's what I class it as, but I think it also, you know, it affects you. It, it makes you angry sometimes, not in a sense that, you know, it's you against the world in a sense, but you know, but you can say, you know, when you want to say something or you know exactly what you want to say, but you just know that you can't put it down on paper. And that's the thing what would really, I think it gets you, it does get you down sometimes because you want to go for a job and something like that or a high paid job. And you just know that, you know, it says on the paper, are you, are you disabled? If you've got disabled, you put yeah, dyslexia. And you know, sort of when you, when that person reads the, uh, the application form you know when the uh, disabled things ticked you know in your eyes that they're going to circle that themselves and say okay we're going to interview them, but we're not going to give them the job sort of thing because you know they've automatically stereotyped you that's how it feels yeah. so that's how it feels you know you'll i think you're all you just feel that you're being stereotyped as some sort of like thick person but you're not it's just that a person with dyslexia's brain runs a lot quicker than the average person's Right. Yeah. So how, how has it progressed? You know, obviously you, you seem to be doing really well and, um, but you know, before when, when it was at its worst and you were very angry and all that, like how, uh, tell me kind of like, a just in, in order, like how, how has it progressed from to how good it is now? I mean, obviously it still affects you, but, uh, I'm sure it was much worse when you didn't know what it was. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, when I was like, you know, 13, 14, I mean, I would literally just sit in school and daydream, <laughs> literally just daydream. Nowadays, I can just, I know now I can go up to someone or come to my fiance and say, and my fiance is called Jackie, I can say to her, hey, Jack, how do I spell expect? And she would write it down and then I would spell it out. So, you know, I've learned how to control it, basically. I, I know how how it happens. I know I know what to do with it myself i don't know how anyone else deals with their disability and i'm sure every person's got their own little way if you know what i mean yeah well i've said before like it's you know it's a world that's kind of not made for us but we always find a way to make it fit and and you know acclimate it to what we do you know there's a lot of software and technology and things out there that really help us and, and there's just basic things out there that we just use just to make our life easier 
um, even if it's yeah, like, yeah. good. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, not every you know, I'd like to say it like this, but like I, I say it like this: not every blind person acts like Stevie Wonder, and mm-hmm. you know, not every deaf person acts like Lou Ferrino. He played the Hulk. We've all got different ways to to handle our own disabilities, and I think that's you know, you nailed it, nailed it on the the head. You nailed it in the coffin. How uh, you just said each and every one of us handle it differently. Yeah, yeah. It's I've said before, like it's it's. It's the world is kind of like a house that has that that has no doors or windows, and it we have to try to find a way in, and we will absolutely, yeah. We don't know how, especially in the beginning. We have no idea how, but we do, and it it's just that's what I think. That's what makes people with disabilities so special is that we we try so many different things, and, and we 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 take risks and we we do a lot just to to accomplish any just the most basic things that everyone else isn't proud of accomplishing like getting in getting their own place or working or any of that and we have to overcome so many hurdles that when we finally get it it's like wow we did something um yeah yeah and we earn what we we get because we have to try so much harder and we have to put ourselves out to the world because when we even like going to a job or going to school um you know, at least with you, when you got out of high school, like that was when you kind of figured out what was wrong with you. But a lot of people who go to school knowing what their disability is, they have to tell the teachers, hey, I need this. If you're blind, you know, I need, or just visually impaired like me, you know, I need, I can't see the chalkboard, so I need, you know, notes written down or, or whatever. But you have to expose yourself. You have to let people know you have a disability, which is kind of frightening, especially as a, an early age, because high school can be very cruel. Um yeah. So, it's like you have to you have to sort of get prepared to tell people in a way, and I don't like to say this in a nasty way. You have to make yourself feel weak, and in the type of world we live in, because I class the world as one big jungle, generally the weaker preyed on. But you know, we have to uh, get 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 around ways which we know we can't get preyed on. That's what I like to say to people. Right? Yeah, because we try to beautify like nature, right? Because. We, we go like, oh, look at that lion. He's he's the most beautiful, majestic beast with this mane and so on. And then in a minute, he's ripping a zebra's throat out. And, yeah, absolutely. And, the, and not only that, like the male lion, for the most part, sends out his seven women to go get him food. And then they bring the food back for, for them. And I like to call them kittens. I know they're called cubs, but they're cats. So they're babies. And instead of him saying okay let's feed the babies first or let let the women eat because they're tired they just hunted he goes no that's for me and then then he says okay then the the cubs can have it and then we're gonna go over here and have sex and then when i'm done with all of you then you can eat and so that's that again of course it's just one animal but there's so many things in nature there's there's seals that drown their children like nature is really screwed up um yeah it's uh the lion sort of just sleeps all day long and when he wants his food, it's there. <laughs> right. So, when, right. Exactly. So, when you say the world is like a jungle, like it really is, but we try to smoothen it out. We try to make it seem like everything is so beautiful and great. But, you know, how many people, I mean, look at people, like people with disabilities are like the, you know, the zebra. We're like the people at yeah. the watering hole that when the lions and the hyenas and the crocodiles and, you know, we, we're the ones looking up going, oh shit. Uh oh. And, you know, because we feel so weak in comparison to everyone else because that's that's the perception and the reality of it is we actually are the strong ones. We are the ones yeah, that, it, emotionally and internally and physically because we overcome so much. Um, 
so it, you know it, it's it, yeah the world really is just it, it, obviously it's it can be very brutal it can be very terrible there's a lot of great and beautiful things um but there's also a lot of horrible things and people with disabilities know that more than any um just just on our personal our health and and all that and we just we just know how rough life can be so that you know, me and my friend Sue Ellen were talking yesterday and I was just saying like she was talking about some bad news that happened in her family. And I said, well, you know, the good thing is with, with people like us, we take we take bad news uh, easier than most, especially the older you get, because we've dealt with so much bad news that it's kind of normal in a way. It sucks, but it's, yeah. it's kind of like, oh, OK, um, obviously, depending I, on I, the news, but I totally agree with you, my friend. Yeah, and you know, and but you look look at it like, you know, how many years ago could you and I be talking, a black guy and a white guy? Obviously, it's silly to us. It's stupid. We don't look at that shit like it's anything. You know, we're just talking. We're getting to know each other. Like, this, legitimately for the audience, this is our really our first conversation. We had a couple voice messages the other day, but you know, we can bond and get along because we don't give a shit about what we look like. We don't care about what we have or don't have. We just know that, like, okay, someone else is going through something. I don't feel alone, and, and just another person just battling on the other side of the country or, or the world. I mean, and uh, who cares about what what whatever it is that's ailing them? And um, we can look at it that way because we've we've seen how many people have looked down on us for again what we don't have. Um, yeah, I, I I heard a good quote the other day. Actually, it was from the war, and it was basically a. A film called Small Island. I don't know if you've ever watched the film. It's about um, a group of Jamaicans that came to England and fought in the war. And you know, when they left uh, the the army, they you know wanted to live in England and stay in England. And you know, I'm sure a lot of Americans know that uh, Jamaicans had a big community in England, and they it grew up, and that's you know, it carries on. But the one guy said to uh, the one black fella, the Jamaican guy says to the white guy, he says, I don't know what we're fighting about. And the white guy says, what are you on about? He said, well, you called me over here. We came to help you for World War II. And now we're fighting each other. We're on the same side. And that's what I like to say to all disabled people. Don't start arguing because we're on the same side. We're all fighting the same battle. Don't start arguing between us because then we will be the weak ones. So if you stay together and everyone you, 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 uh, unites, we'll be all right. Yeah, we're, well, that, and that's that, again back to <laughs> this is kind of a theme, and might have to be something to do with how I'm going to title this episode. But it's a, it really is like a jungle because when you see like lions, like or or any like leopards, they go after like they're not going to go after a full grown elephant because a full grown elephant is a problem. Um, they're not going to attack it when it's a giant herd when they're all together and they're ready to go. They want to attack the weak. And so Absolutely. if we all stick together and we have people looking out, we're all alert and we're all, to, and it's just like, well, who's going to attack us now? We're strong. So it's like, yeah, okay. You can't hear. I can't see. I can't, you can't walk. You can't. But when we're together, we all have legs. We all have eyes. We all have ears. We have all these things. And it's like, we are one strong ultimate just being, uh, not to be like cheesy, but like there, there's one, again, I've said so many times, there's 1.6 billion of us. And that's spread amongst the world. So why can't we fight for each other's rights? And, um, you know, one of the things I've noticed in this country, in, in the United States, is a lot of people fight for certain causes. Let's say if you're a disabled woman, you're going to fight for the Me Too movement, for, for more empowerment for women. 
or Black yeah. Lives Matter or the LGBTQ community for the gay, transgender, and so on. But then they forget their own the disability part of it because the disability community is blended in with you know there's there's there isn't a person or a, a culture or a religion or whatever that doesn't have a disabled person in it whether you're black Hispanic you know white gay straight you know tall short it doesn't matter and but a lot of us tend to forget oh yeah I'm also disabled why can't I fight for fight for my rights too because in this country gay rights black rights women's rights even though there's people still fighting for them their rights are still well ahead of people with disabilities. And yeah, so, that's pretty and, much the same in England. Right. I, was, I mean, I mean, you, yeah, I mean, all you've got to do, really, is, is read the uh, most famous book that's uh, ever sold. I mean, that's the Bible. I don't want to beat on about it, but, you know, Jesus, you know, saved leopards. Uh, Jesus healed the blind. I mean, you know, even back right back then, it was put in the Bible for a reason that the, the God actually came to earth as a man and started healing people. You know, in my eyes, a leper, what they call leprosy, but back then they would have said anyone who was, you know, not who couldn't do normal things like a normal person, they probably would call you a leper back then. So, you know, it just says it back then when human, we weren't probably the most civil people back then. Now we're actual civil human beings, supposedly, but, you know, like you just said, we still got to fight for these civil rights of, you know, disabled. If you if you're a bit, you know, dyslexia, if you're blind, or if you're deaf, or something like that, it's your rights are behind everyone else's rights. Right. I mean, there's nothing wrong being proud to being black or gay or whatever. That that's great. But I think the reason why people are so much more uh, just forward with their color or their gender or whatever is because it's more acceptable. Whereas there's not, yeah. is not enough of us saying, well, yeah, it, I'm, I'm proud to be disabled or I'm proud to be blind or whatever. They don't do that because a lot of people, and again, there's some of us that are, and we, I, I you know, I thrive in being, you know, a fighter and, and so on, but you know, there's not many people, you don't, you're, there's, there's not many bumper stickers and, and all that and holidays and all these things. We make up these little monthly things, but there really isn't any like, you know, you know, whatever disabled pride. We have like a disabled pride month, but like no one, it's not like well known, like, you know, black history yeah. month or whatever. Um, and so, like I said, I, there's not a lot of pride in people with disabilities. And I mean, look how many, you know, and I'm sure in the United States as it is in England, look how many young men and women go to war to fight for their country and come back disabled. Right. And it's not their fault. Some people are coming back in, in wheelchairs and they fought for the country they, they love so much. Right. Yeah. And yeah, they, they went in with a different perception of just humans and, and just being a, you know, a full figured person and coming back with blown off legs. And now yeah. their country is treating them totally different. So yeah. Even yeah. If, even if they give you like a little pin or some sort of award, you know, they still kind of throw you to the the wolves at the end. It's just like, okay, well, we're we're kind of done with you. Thank you for your service. And uh, you know, and some some Sorry. depending where you are, some people get treated okay, but it, there's a lot that don't. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it's sad when you see disabled people who are homeless and stuff like that. It's, it's so terrible. I I think sometimes Hollywood is is a bad thing as well because they. You know, they don't help the situation, if you know what I mean. No, they glorify it and they, they cutesy it up. They make There's a lot of stories out there that are not what they seem. or They, they made they Hollywooded it up by just, you know, throwing in some explosions and this and that. And they take out certain parts just to make it look better than it is and gives it a happy ending story. But 
not everything has a happy ending story. And, um, you know, and then of course, you know, one of the things I've talked about with a lot of people on here is that obviously the representation, if it's something to do with people with disabilities, it's never a person with a disability playing it. Most, most cases. So the, well, yeah, I mean, yeah. All you gotta do is watch the Fourth of July with um, what's his name, Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise, yeah. And uh, he comes back as a disabled person. You know, when I first watched that thing, I, I was thinking to myself, you know, every person in a wheelchair then is an alcoholic and causes men problems, because right. that's what the film perceives it as. But when I've met people in in, in wheelchairs, it, it, it's not even like that. Some of the the nicest people I've met since you know I've been in a a group with a company called Kaleidoscope in the United Kingdom, uh, who's one of the actual, the, one of the founders is actually one of the admins on the page I found you on, but oh, deep, but some of the nicest people I've met are actually disabled people. Right. Well, but even bringing it back to you, like without the proper information and, and just, you know, obviously medical information and all, but the, with like you, you obviously were heading down a bad path um, not knowing what was going on with you. But there's a lot of people who do know that they're dyslexic and they're just frustrated. They hate that. And they start, you know, acting out and doing really bad things, getting into really bad crowds. And, and all of a sudden now they're, whatever, they're passed around in the foster homes or they're they're passed around and through, you know, juvies and, and, you know, just through the jail system. And, you know, without the right information, people just look at them as criminals and, and just, you know, people who just are angry and they don't even know why they're angry yet. You know why you're angry. Um, you know, from the outside, it just looks like you're just a you know bad person, but it's like you don't know what someone's going through. And if, if people just treat you as crazy or, or whatever it is they, they look at you as from the outside, then, you know, there's a lot of lost kids right now because of stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with you. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of kids that are, you know, right now being molested and they're going to grow up to probably be molesters. Hopefully not. But like people are going to look at them like, oh, God, they're monsters. And it's, I'm not saying they're, they don't become monsters, but how do you think they got that way? You know, there's kids yeah. growing up to shoot. They go shoot up a school here like in the United States. That's a big thing. You, know, you shoot up a school. And it's like, yeah, because he just was angry and, you know, maybe his father beat him and, and just there's a lot, like, there's a lot, it doesn't usually just, you don't usually just wake up, you know, angry. You don't usually just wake up a shooter. You don't wake up a molester. Usually it's a long, just dark world, a dark, you know, this hall of you just going through horrible shit. And then, Oops. yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, like with you, like I said, you could have been, maybe not some, who knows what you could have been if, they didn't find a diagnosis and, you know, because you were frustrated with yourself not knowing what the problem was. And maybe if you would have, maybe another couple more years down the road, maybe something really bad could have happened. Yeah. I, I think, you know, if, 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 you know, if I hadn't found out what it was and, you know, and that judge and, you know, I hadn't found wrestling, I think I would have probably, you know, been in prison right now. <clears throat> I definitely would have because I was just a troublemaker but you know thank god I'm not anymore and you know that's you know the past but you know you learn from the past right okay so how'd you find wrestling and what was it about it that like just kind of gravitate like what made you gravitate towards it well I don't know if <clears throat> in the United States you know this but in, in England wrestling's a big 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 thing and every Saturday afternoon years ago on ITV they had a program called the world of sport and you had wrestlers like big daddy and rollerball rocker and all these old wrestlers 
And I used to watch these records with my grandfather. And then obviously when I came about 11, 91, we started getting WWE over here. Right, right, WWF. And I know you Americans are much more advanced. So we were getting the Ultimate Warrior and probably Hulk Hogan in 91. And I saw Hulk Hogan and that was it. I was just hooked on it. And my mum used to take me to the local venue to watch wrestling. So I started watching it and started going to the local shows and, you know, became an absolute fanatic about wrestling. And um, luckily again, um, the social worker I had, the youth worker, she said, if I behaved myself at school for so many weeks and I can't get in no trouble, my school grades have got to be perfect, I've got to do everything perfect, she will introduce me into two professional wrestlers. And, and that's how I got into it. And, you know, and uh, then I started training to be a professional wrestler um, in England. And then I started actually like, so about 16 and a half, when I just left school, I started becoming a professional wrestler, making a living for it. And, you know, traveling around the United Kingdom to holiday parks through the summer and then wrestling in all the big cities and towns all, all across the United Kingdom. So, you know, I've had a great career and, and thoroughly enjoyed it. And that's really how I got into it. Yeah, one of the things about wrestlers, and I don't watch wrestling much anymore, but I I still, I respect the hell out of wrestling. Like when I listen to certain podcasts and just listen to stories, I listen to, uh, on Joe Rogan, he had The Undertaker on. And, you know, I'm just listening to all, I, I love their stories because especially like the old days in the 90s when they're in the 80s when they're traveling. And because people think like, okay, because it's fake and all that, that there's certain things, it's just, it, it's not that rough. But people don't realize that they don't just wrestle on the days that is aired. They wrestle what they call dark matches and they, they wrestle a lot of times. It's like over 300 times a day, a week, or excuse me, a year. Um, and they wrestle all the time and they travel. And back in the day, they would only try, they would just travel in cars and they would have so many injuries that they didn't know about. And this is why steroids became a huge thing because they would just have these doctors that would just come in and say, what do you need? It could be cocaine. It could be steroids. It could be morphine. It could be anything. And whatever it is that's ailing you, your back, you know, is kind of out of line. Oh, we don't need to fix that. We'll just give you a little shot here and boom, you're good to go. And a lot of these wrestlers are so, especially the older ones, they're so broken down because of those old days. Uh, It's a little better now um, because of all the, you just all the technology that has changed medical history and, and obviously the WWE especially has cleared out all the steroid stuff. Um, but wrestlers, they take a beating just because it's not real. Doesn't mean getting slammed on a, on a, a floor or the ring or anywhere, uh, isn't real and doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. Yeah, totally, man. I mean, when I first started and I went, went professional, I mean, it was, uh, you used to work from Sunday to Friday, and that was two shows a day. So you'd one do one afternoon show and an evening show, and then plus on a Saturday you would work as well. So you didn't really have no time off. You were away. And, and, and let's face facts, when you're like 16 and a half, you're not a man. And I was thrown into this man's world. All of a sudden I was with real men. And now it was a total different world. So I, I, I'd become like a... Uh, well, yeah, it was a boy going into a real man's world. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, you know, you look at someone, like, I don't know, let's say, like, like a Rey Mysterio, and obviously people who don't know wrestling just look them up. Rey Mysterio's like 5'4", and he's just, a, but he's he's built 
like he's huge in his you know stature like muscle wise but he's so tiny and he's wrestling guys like the big show who's seven two and you know he he, he gets through the match he, he does all kind of crazy flips and so on but he takes a beating um obviously you have to make it look a certain way because obviously the big show in real life would kill him but still like for those guys to even be in the same ring wrestling with each other um, even like back when they talk about with like Andre the Giant, obviously one of the biggest, most historical moments is when Hulk Hogan slammed him. And, you know, they've said so many times, like if Andre didn't want you to pick him up, you weren't picking him up. No matter how strong Hulk Hogan was, Hulk Hogan wasn't picking up Andre the Giant unless Andre said, okay, I'm allowing you to. Um, because there's these like, his, there's these crazy f- photos of Andre the Giant with like a beer can and it just disappears in his hand because he's got such giant hands. Um, and so these people are men, they're, they're strong and they go through punishment, but they're all injured. They're all like, you know, that's why do you think like the rock and John Cena are now, you know, obviously the rock especially, but John Cena is now going in the direction of, um, movies because you know, how many torn ACLs and and busted bodies and, and, you know, messed up backs and necks do you want to go through when you can do something more and make more money? Um, so yeah, these guys are like, they're warriors. I don't. I don't know how anyone can make fun of wrestling whatsoever. Like I guess just because I don't watch it doesn't mean it. I don't think it's still not tough. Yeah, I totally agree with you, my friend. Totally, totally agree. With um, you. who do you think is like the most famous wrestler from like your area, from from like England? Oh God, I mean, um, I don't know. Um, well, I would say the British Bulldog, David Boy Smith. I mean, you know, ultimately. Yeah, yeah. William um, Regal. I, I, uh, yeah, Dynamite Kid, maybe. I would say David Boy Smith is probably. But it's funny, in England, if you walked around and you spoke to the average person who was over 40, maybe 40, 142. So if you go over 42, no one would be bigger than Big Daddy. Uh, you only have to Google him right now, uh, where you are right now, and just put Big Daddy Shirley Crabtree. He was the national hero in the United Kingdom. And he was huge. And, you know... I, even talking about that then years ago there's what, there's a video on YouTube with Big Daddy and he's pushing a kid in a wheelchair and the commentator openly says and there's the spastic boy so you know it was said openly on YouTube it, it, and this was in the 80s early 80s with a national hero like Big Daddy pushing out you know a, a kid in a wheelchair and Big Daddy was so big the Queen uh, Queen Elizabeth in, in England and Margaret Thatcher used to watch uh, wrestling on Saturday afternoon to watch Big Daddy wrestle. That's how big he was. Yeah. I think there's, there's something to wrestling too because even though it is scripted, I think some of the scripted part does help. It makes it so some of these, like like I said, back to Rey Mysterio, who's like five, whatever. I don't want to get his actual height, but let's say he's five four and, and Big Show is seven two. They make it so, you know, the, 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 the Goliath... Um, you know, just trying to slay the beast type of thing where it's like this little guy has a chance in this scripted world um, and they make it work. And so, like, there, there's been people with disabilities in wrestling. Um, and, and obviously, like I said, Andre the Giant really did have a disability um, just because yeah. he was this big, huge guy and he can walk. But, like, he, he was deteriorating as his career went on. It actually was very sad after he did pass because he, he was just gone. But um, there there is this, like you know, hero, you know, Marvel DC thing, this guy who just overcomes so much and has to beat this obviously crazy superstar that's way bigger than him or, or just, you know, has the title. And it's like, there's no way that person can beat that person. Um, like the Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Thing, yeah, totally it's like, agree with you. yeah. Like with Hulk Hogan, he slayed the giant and yeah, absolutely. I t- totally agree with you. Inspired a lot of children to say like, I can beat this. I can do that. 
Um, and so, yeah, even though it is scripted, it's like it, it gives a lot of people hope, but maybe that's what a lot of people with disabilities lean to. Yeah, I to- totally agree with you there. And, you know, I'm actually, you know, a bit of a bodybuilding buff as well. I, lo- I like to work out and stuff like that. And, you know, you, you work out that uh, the guy that played uh, the Incredible Hulk, Lou Ferrino's uh, death. Right. So there you are. I mean, you know, the ultimate bad guy, the Incredible Hulk, was actually a deaf guy that that actually played the part. So you know, yeah, it is. It is a, is a, a very. Um, I think everyone's got a soft spot for wrestling. Uh, I think everyone loves it, and you know, I I just love being a part of the industry, and so people can enjoy going to it. And you know, we get thousands and thousands of disabled people coming to watch wrestling. And I think they do come to watch that wrestling because, you know, I, I think, you know, when I don't know what it feels like to be sat in a wheelchair, but, you know, young people in wheelchairs, I think it's a great thing. They can come and sit like everyone else and cheer for the bad guy and cheer for the good guy and boo for the bad guy and, and know that they're not going to be abused because that's their job to be booed and, you know, to be cheered. So I think it's a great atmosphere. I think it's a big thing for everyone to enjoy. Yeah, and, and it's a it's a business obviously, especially in the higher ups like WWE, uh, NXT and all that, where they, you know, women, like there was even a consideration that they were just going to allow like SmackDown, which for most people is, I don't know, it's Thursday or Friday now. Um, they, they were going to have just one of the, the major shows just be all women because now women are doing so well in the higher ups now, because you know, before it was, it was always a couple women that just would be successful and so on. But now they have such a, like a division and a cruiserweights and all that. And, you know, like like I said, now like every ethnicity is pretty much represented because it's huge in Japan, it's huge in England. Um, they've done a lot of these shows where they go overseas and everything to like Iraq and Afghanistan, and um, so everyone is now really being represented now. So it's it's a really and again, you could I'm sure people could make an argument that there should be more black or whatever in there, but pretty much everyone's represented. So it, it's a very kind of affluent just community of. You know, like I said, everyone can kind of gravitate towards their hero and say, wow, like, that's my guy. Uh, I could be, I wish I could be that guy. And maybe I can be, and maybe not in wrestling, but somewhere in life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree with you again. Yeah, it's a very underappreciated, uh, like, format in entertainment or genre of entertainment. Yeah, yeah. It, it's sort of like a, a part of the fair and the fun fair. It's like that traveling traveling world we all used to years ago the circus would come to town and everyone in the town would go and see that's wrestling it's i think it's the last i think it's the last form of entertainment of that that you know traveling world that you know that mystique traveling world you know mass men and stuff like that and you know giants weird looking people i think wrestling still got that little thing which any other sport or entertainment can't produce if you know what i mean yeah, because if you look at it, like there's, you know, especially like some of these big guys, like I mentioned Andre or the big show or like those big guys always have a place. Like obviously they stand out and they're freakish to some people uh, unless they play basketball. Uh, but obviously in these like major countries where basketball isn't what it is in America, um, you know, these people are scouted because they know they, they can do something with them. There is something to... Uh, you know, like I said, the David and Goliath thing where it's like you just put some big guy. He may not be the most gifted or talented or physically, uh, you know, just he can't jump off top ropes and do all that, but he's physically opposing 
where people go like, ooh, that's scary. Like, you can do something with that. He doesn't even have, like, there's been wrestlers who don't have that. There's this guy named the Great Khali. He's this big Indian guy. Uh, he's like seven foot four or three. And he was never considered the greatest wrestler, but he had such a scary face and he was huge. Uh, his moves weren't the greatest. He had like these chops and he would put his leg out. You would just kind of run into it. So he was very stiff, but he he was so big. And obviously, especially for, like for, just from in India, they loved him. But he was just this big guy that is like, in most cases, you can't put him on a, any, any sport because he wasn't, he couldn't really move that much. He had a lot of body aches and pains and stuff. But you can do something with him. And that was that's kind of the thing with wrestling. You can kind of piece something together and make him something... Um, no matter who you are or what you look like. Yeah, I totally agree with you, my friend. Totally, totally agree with you. Yeah, so like I said, I know I know a little bit about wrestling. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, a lot of it, like I said, because like, I think I think now, we, especially here in the States, like it seems like the older you get, it's like you can't really admit that you like wrestling, but it's like I don't really watch wrestling much anymore, but I respect the hell out of the business because of what I used to watch and listening to some of the podcasts like Stone Cold or Jericho or some of these guys' podcasts who just tell their stories. And it's like, you know, I, I remember a match where Triple H, um, and again, like I said, for people who don't know these guys, Triple H is now kind of, he's kind of running the business now. Vince McMahon is kind of on his way out because he's older, but he still has the final say. But Triple H is dating his daughter, married, to Stephanie McMahon. <laughs> and he's kind of running the show now. And he, he had a match, and I don't remember who it was with, but he tore his, I believe it was his either his MCL or his ACL during the match, and he had to wrestle for another 20 minutes, and he did. I don't know how he did it, but he did it. And you can say, well, you know, football players, they got to go through this. They got to worry about a guy hitting them and, you know, boxing and this and that. If a, if a boxer tears his, tears his MCL in the ring, he's done. He's not wrestling. He's not fighting. Um, if a football player gets a concussion now, they take him out. He's done for the game. He might be done for a week, but he tore his MCL or ACL and he wrestled for 20 more minutes. And you could say it's scripted all you want, but that was a real injury. And these guys just, they, they, it's all about entertaining and it's all about just making it look good. Um, and you know, I remember stone cold, he got paralyzed in a match with, uh, Owen Hart, who also, he ended up dying, obviously. Um, yeah, yeah. But it, it's not like what people just because it's scripted again. Back just because it's scripted doesn't mean these people are not taking high risks. <clears throat> it's it, yeah. It, it's a it's a crazy business. So you you've been in matches yourself. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I yeah was a full time professional wrestler for a long time. So yeah, I I know the total risks and yeah, what what you're saying is 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 a hundred percent correct. Yeah. What what was kind of like you know people who might not know a lot about wrestling, but what was like your your style? Were you like a high flyer, like a physical imposing guy? What was your? Um, I, I kind of just follow the old traditional Brit British wrestling style, which again, it's a style of its own, the European style. Then you know we do a lot of acrobatic style over here, and it's a total different style to the United States way, the American style of wrestling. So it's. Uh, it's a different style, but yeah, I was, I was always a you know a, a clean a clean wrestler. Let's put it that way. Right, and there, you know, of course, there's the whole um, what is it called, baby face and heel. Um, can you can you tell people what that is? Well, a baby face is a good guy, and heel's a bad guy. So you know, um, you're either one or the other. And I was always just a just a normal clean cut wrestler. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, now, one of the things about wrestling that people don't know is like there, there's just like even though it is scripted, and you may have things worked out, but there's a lot of kind of like, by like you kind of have to you're you're kind of telling a story through the moves and through you know whatever you're taunting your expressions and so on and so you know especially with like let's say the baby face he's getting beat up for a while he's supposed to take a beating for a while because that's him you know it's like that's the, especially when it's someone smaller than the other person it's like oh he's getting beat up this this is over with this looks like ridiculous and then all of a sudden you know that was kind of like the hulk hogan thing where he would do this like hulkamania thing where he would just start pumping up and he would just start fighting after he was getting his ass kicked for half the match all of a sudden, like the crowd cheering him, he would wake up and he would just overcome and just fight back. And it would, you know, a lot of times win the match. Um, but there's a, there's a huge story that you tell and you have to kind of, you know, like how, how do you, can you tell people how you kind of communicate with your opponent, like during matches without obviously just yelling like, Hey, pick me up. Hey, I, can't, I can't, I can't, I can't give all my secrets away. <laughs> right, but- I think, yeah. I think I'll have to keep that one to myself. Okay, but I'm but I'm saying that is a real thing, right? I, I, I'm not going to deny anything. Okay, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I mean, like the the so for for the, like I said for the they they really there's ways of communicating even if it's not verbally. There's physical ways, and obviously there's people that you know. And again, it, there's a lot of wrestlers have talked about it, and, and you know you can see it on camera and stuff. But there's a lot of times where someone will get slammed, and they may communicate while they're on the ground. It's it's it, but they. There is ways of really messing that up because there's a story The Undertaker was telling where he got, what was it? He got his nose broken a few times. And one time, the one wrestler was supposed to clothesline him, but with an open hand. But he, he kind of, I think this wrestler was either drinking or something. He, he, was, he was just not all there at the time. And when he was supposed to clothesline him, he kept his fist closed and just broke his nose, shattered it. Or no, I'm sorry. It was it was eye socket. He broke both of his eye sockets in two different matches, and one of them was because of a guy who didn't open his fist. Um, and so that's how, like, again, telling the story and being kind of one with the wrestler, the other your opponent, you kind of have to know each other enough to make a match, you know, work, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, have you ever been in a ring with somebody who just completely was whatever? Whatever they were intoxicated, they weren't all there, whatever that kind of messed up the move you were trying to do? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I've, I've been in there. But most of the guys I've, I've wrestled, the uh, total professionals, I mean. Yeah. You know, like, most of the guys I've wrestled, hand on heart, I've never known anyone to really want to go out there and maliciously, seriously hurt someone. So that's, you know, I've, the people I've worked with over the years are total pros, you know what I mean? So so there's never, I've never really encountered any of that. Um, no, I, I can't say. Most of the guys I've wrestled, 100% uh, professionals, and no one maliciously goes out to hurt anyone, no. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. chemistry is really, really important. And obviously you have to take it serious because, again, you can get severely hurt. Um, yeah. Have you taken any real severe injuries? Uh, yeah, I uh, ruptured a kidney once. I mean, I had a kidney infection, and that was through a certain wrestler whacking me a bit too hard in that area. Um, but, you know, touch wood, no, I haven't really had like a bust leg or anything like or broken arms or anything like that. Uh, you know, a couple of broken fingers and, you know, a couple of times I've gone home bleeding and stuff like that, but nothing really, 
you know, drastically wrong with me. Yeah, well, that's pretty good. Um, do you do you still wrestle? Yeah. Uh, no, not anymore. I I promote now, so I started a company called World Pro Wrestling, which I'm getting a lot of help off the Hardy events Kaleidoscope, uh, the Kaleidoscope team, which you know. Um, want to plug them? They help disabled uh, yeah, entrepreneurs, and you know, uh, uh, when I first met Hardy, I mean, it was through the pandemic and all that, so we couldn't meet in person, face to face. But you know, um, once I started talking to him about it, then he started realizing that this wasn't some sort of pipe dream that some disabled person had walked in and wanted to be a wrestling promoter. Um, this was a an actual fact and you know before that previous i'd been a promoter i started promoting probably around about 2006 uh i actually originally got some help off the prince's trust and i don't know if you know what the prince's trust is it's a charity mm-hmm. running the united kingdom for disadvantaged people basically and it's a, a charity that prince charles set up uh it helps entrepreneurs and they give you a business mentor and they helped me with money and set me all up. So I did actually do pretty well the first run from 2006 to 2014. And if you think about it, I mean, the last show I ran in 2014 before I had a, a big break and stuff like that. Uh, the last show, I mean, the main event, I mean, people who are listening to this podcast tonight, uh, the wrestler actually main evented that show was AJ Styles. So, I mean, you know, okay. he, he's massive in WWE now. So, yeah. you know, the standard I got it to was, you know, I had Jushin Thunder Liger there. I had Tanahashi. I had Davey Boy Smith Jr. So I got it to real good standard. And then, you know, uh, because I had dyslexia and stuff like that, I'm not uh, um, giving myself any, um, I'm not sort of saying it's because of that. But it was mismanaged and stuff like that. I couldn't really, still even then, I couldn't really, I didn't really know how to handle money, if you know what I mean. If, right. You know, and that was um, the problem with the downfall and why it went wrong. But, you know, you learn by your mistakes and here I am to fight the tail and here I am again, going again. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Now, is, is it for like, you're, you're promoting, is, is it for like locally or do you do you delve into other countries or... Is it just promoting for, like, where you live? Uh, well, this show is going to be at Chapman Town Hall, which is my local venue. Uh, and uh, the company's called World Pro Wrestling, so any entrepreneurs out there, disabled entrepreneurs who want to support me, you can tap up on Facebook, uh, World Pro Wrestling, that's where I'm at. Um, and basically, we've got a plan, and uh, I could see it going global. I mean, we've got... Uh, partners from Japan and all Japan pro wrestling. We've got partners in the United States and uh, Mexico, Canada, uh, Europe. So yeah, we're, we're a worldwide company, but we're, we're just started off now. So it's, it's going to take a little bit of time, but you know, um, I've got a good plan for the next three years. So yeah. That's good though. That's awesome. Um, so a couple more I'm things. Hoping, I'm hoping, I mean, you know, one of the plans is definitely is to have, um, I want to represent not just my black people, but I want to represent, you know, disabled people. Um, especially if we got a TV deal, because, you know, then, you know, people from all, all, all over the world would be able to see, you know, this is a disabled entrepreneur. He's achieved this, you know, and even if he's someone else is sat in their wheelchair, or if they're, they're, you know, partially blind or if they're, they're deaf, 
they can then look at themselves and say, well, if this guy can do it, I can do it. And that's the, the message I really want to send out. And even on this podcast, I just want to say to everyone who's listening to this. And, uh, you know, TJ, I really thank you for giving me the platform today. But, you know, I just want to echo, echo my message on your platform to anyone who's listening to this message. If um, you, you've got a dream, and as, as Martin Luther King says, he had a dream. Let's go and make that dream happen. Um, I'm a big uh, hip-hop fan. And uh, Jay-Z, um, at the end of the, uh, the concert, I went uh, Brooklyn. It's on iTunes, actually. Jay-Z says, at the end of it, he says, uh, Brooklyn, don't be good, be great. Well, I just want to change that quote and say, disabled people, don't be good, let's be great. Let's be great, disabled people. Let's go get what we want. Yeah, I mean, you could really... That's the thing. So many people, you know, when people are asked, like, you know, how can I advocate? How can I do more? Someone was asking me that the other day. And I'm like, look, you don't have to do, you don't have to do a podcast. You don't have to do a YouTube channel. You don't have to do anything in that kind of medium. Like what you're doing, you could really put people with disabilities in a position where it's like, hey, you can go out there and body slam somebody. And maybe no one would have let you do that before. But now you can go out there and do something crazy. And now you're representing of some people that never thought they would ever be represented on a you know, in a ring. Um, yeah, I mean, if you if you look at it, really go deep down into it. I mean, you know, Vince McMahon has got dyslexia, so he's disabled as well. He's one of the best entrepreneurs in the world. So if he can do it, everyone else can do it. Yeah, but you're, you, I don't think a lot of people know that about Vince McMahon. I don't think, I, I mean, I'm sure he's talked about it, but I, that's not something people really know. Whereas you, I think you would, you'll focus on that. You'll, you'll show people in the light that, it doesn't matter if you're deaf or whatever. Like they'll be represented because you know what it's like to be on that. Whereas Vince, I mean, I'm I'm not saying he's embarrassed about it, but that's never. I don't think a lot of people know that about Vince McMahon because you know. We no, know I, I think you know. I, I I think with Vince McMahon, he comes from that era of you know you keep things like that to yourself, right? And you struggle through. But you know, I I um, again I'll, I'll go back to it. You know, uh, I was inspired really as a younger kid by. The Rocky movies, and the reason I was inspired by the Rocky movies is if you look at Rocky himself, who Sylvester Stallone portrays. I mean, he's got every characteristic of a, of a, a dyslexic person, a disabled person, and I mean, you know, the ultimate underdog eventually wins the, the heavyweight championship. So, you know, <clears throat> I mean, I know it's a, it's Hollywood and it's a far fetched story, but. You know, if you look at that story of a, the ultimate underdog and he gets this one opportunity, yeah. and sometimes as a as a disabled entrepreneur, you have got to, when you get that one opportunity, just grasp it. Just grasp it by every hand or every bit out of strength you've got in you and just grasp it as hard as you can and go with it and then you'll get it. But you've just got to wait for that one little break. And once you get that break, everything's going to be, everything can work for you. Right. Well, back to like the beginning of the podcast when you said you were just in your room and you're daydreaming. And we daydream, you know, especially guys. Guys daydream, I think, more than women. But we, we daydream about all kind of heroic stuff. Just, you know, maybe somebody's being robbed. You know, some guy's robbing some pretty girl. And you go over and you stop it because, you know, the pretty girl will love you or whatever. But like something like Rocky, even though it's far fetched and it, it you know, they, they, you know, made it so Hollywood because it's it's also based around a true story and a real fighter, but they made it so much more just to, you know, obviously sell the box office and all. And it's a great series, a great movie and, you know, trailer, you know, well, five, was it six movies now? Um, but 
you know, it, it, it made a lot of kids just say like, oh, I could do that. Like, I, I want to fight. And, and like I said, we daydream a lot. We just sit around and we think, even if it's stuff that we could never do. And, and I'm sure in, in your, maybe at the point in time when you started reading magazines, maybe you never thought you, at least in the beginning, oh, I'm going to wrestle. I'm going to go in and I'm going to do that. But you made it happen. And, and so movies like yeah. Rocky and, and just even if it's somebody who doesn't want to box, they, they translate that to something they're going to do down the road in life. It's like, I want to fight for something. I want to, you know, I want to overcome whatever it is. It doesn't have to be another fighter or another person. It could just be just whatever, their own sanity, just something in life that they want to overcome and become big at it. And, um, you know, so even though it's kind of cutesy and we know it's not real, but you can translate anything into something else. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Do you ever totally agree with you? Uh, just kind of quickly here, getting towards the end. Like, do you do you feel like uh, you're like you, you're doing all this promotion? Do you ever feel like you would wrestle on any of your events? Uh, uh, I've been. Uh, my mum says I'm too old now. <laughs> I say I'm not. I, my mum says I'm too old and too out of shape. I say I'm not. I, I say I'm just right age now. Um, uh, it's funny you should say that. If it was something special, yes, I would. And there, there is a a match I would love to do if it ever happens I'll never know if it ever happens I don't know but like like I say I I, I, I never say never in this world but yeah I, I mean it would have to be something special but there's a guy called uh, Andrew Anderson he's a good friend of mine he, he, he's based in New Jersey and he keeps uh, prodding me to do this one match and I am considering it so you know but it, if I did this one match, I mean, I'm going to say a name called The Great Muto, and I'm sure you know who he is. He's a was in at WCW years ago. What's his and name? I'm sorry. The, the Great Muto. He's a oh, Japanese Great Muto. Yeah, 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 yeah. Great Muto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know who he is. And I, I, I would love to uh, tag with him and, and and go against a couple of Americans. But again, if it ever happens, like I say, never say never. But it would have to be a big match if I if I did. But yeah, I, I think I could do probably one or two more matches but you know i haven't done it for so long record physically i mean it takes a lot to get into that type of shape again and you know to get the moves to get your timing right so it, it would be that but yeah I, I probably would yeah i definitely would i would never say never right. put it that way well the reason why i asked you is because you, you talked about you know wanting to have more people represented with disabilities and stuff and obviously for you that you are older and you don't wrestle anymore and you're, you're behind the scenes. People, a lot of people aren't going to know that you're dyslexic and they just, they, you're, you're not really represented. Maybe, maybe it comes out and maybe, you know, you, but you're probably not going to put yourself on the posters and all that. So it, the way you can represent is obviously going out there and wrestling and showing, Hey, you know, it doesn't matter what your disability is or whatever you go through, you can get out there and wrestle. Um, and I wanted to, yeah, definitely. Do it. I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah, I, I would, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, it's a possibility I might do one more. If I do, I will uh, message you and say, TJ, you've uh, encouraged this, and if it, anything does happen to me, you're the one to blame. Fair. Well, <laughs> no, okay, fair enough. I just I say you I say this guy who I did a podcast with, he was encouraging me, is now really encouraged me, and I'm ready to go, man. So if anything does happen, TJ's the one to blame. So basically, if you get hurt, I'm the heel. Yeah, you're going to be the one. Uh, yeah, getting the call on Christmas. I'm going to get Christmas booed. day to say my son's my son's not my son anymore. <laughs> so I'm just okay. Yeah, I'll do a pro. I'll I'll do a promo and I'll just shit on the people that are uh, attacking me. Um, Absolutely, I'll put on a mask. 
Um, Absolutely. But just like, okay, to just kind of wrap it up, finish up, like, what was it? Uh, I mean, obviously you got married and you have a family and so on. Like when you, when you found your, your wife, cause obviously love is something that people strive for and um, people don't really know how hard it is for some people with disabilities. What was it like for you to kind of obviously eventually meet your wife and, did you have, did you lack any confidence or anything as far as, you know, obviously not being able to, to read properly or talk a certain way or whatever? Cause obviously confidence is a huge thing for men. Um, what was it like to kind of meet your, obviously your true love and, and try to make her love you, even though you have to maybe even overcompensate in a way because of your condition? Yeah. I mean, like, um, talking about that, like, I mean, um, I, um, we're not married yet. We're still engaged. So, okay. you know, well, you better um, get on that. I, I'm, no problem. I, I met her in a in a in a in a pub in Cheltenham, uh, well, like a bar, and we met and, and stuff like that. But some of the stuff we've been through over the last um, uh, we've been together five years actually, November the fifth, and uh, you know, so some of the things we've been 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 through. I mean, you know, her um, son has got a is a type one diabetic, uh, type one diabetic, and, and 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 you know, as human beings, we don't look at diabetes as a disability but it is a disability and uh, you know imagine having to um, inject yourself a couple of times a day just when you want to eat and so so there's so there's definitely that and then the one son wears glasses and stuff like that so you know there was no problem when it comes to my dyslexia I mean you know some of her kids are dyslexic as well so there was no problem with that so it's just uh you know, it, it was no problem, and I've never really been one of those people to have lack confidence around women. I, I've always That's been true, yeah. pretty confident around women, but um, I, I can see some people could, but I've never really been that, that one. I, I did used to go out with a girl years ago, and she used to say I was thick and stupid, and uh, really take the mick out of me, and that's why I started becoming a promoter because I, I thought to myself, well, hang on. If you're saying I'm thick and stupid and you say you love me, I'm going to show you. And I did show her. I, I'm going to show you. I'm, you know, and, you know, and that's how I got through that. But my girlfriend now, definitely not. Never been, never, or any other children. They don't look at me any different and, you know, all good. Oh, that's good. I mean, that's got to be great to have someone who balances you out and, and, and kind of fills in the gaps that you can, even if it's whatever, money or, or things you can't read or whatever. Like the fact that she's okay with any of that and she... Because I think when people say, you know, when they have a relationship, it's 50-50. And, and if you give 100%, again, that's 50%. So if someone can, you know, obviously you can fill in certain blanks for her that she can't provide or, or just lacks or whatever. But she fills in the stuff that really helps you with, with your condition. And uh, it's obviously a very beautiful thing. Um, but if I, if I could give you any advice, I'm not going to give you any advice about getting in the ring. You, you, yeah, it's up to you. But... I would say you might want to get on that whole uh, marrying her because, you know, girls get impatient after a while. And uh, if you're engaged for too long, they almost feel like you're not serious. And uh, if you are if you really love her, um, you might not want to wait too much longer. Okay, so I'm going to I'm gonna say to my girlfriend, you're encouraging me to get married. And I tell my mom you're encouraging me to wrestle. You're a bad influence on me, TJ. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, I'm not telling you to cheat. I'm not telling you to spend all your money. I'm just saying... You know, you got love. You might want to hold on to it because love is very hard to find. I'm telling you this from a single person, you know, a person who is single, I should say. Uh, you know, if I ever, if I ever, if I come ever to wrestle in the United States, I'm gonna get a T-shirt which says "TJ, you're a bad influence." I, 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 I would love that. 
you could see the T-shirt and say, I made that man famous. That's fine. You could, even if you want to put my picture on the back, that's fine. I don't care. I, I would love, I would still support you. <laughs> Absolutely. But uh, yeah, buddy, I thank you for, for coming on. You're a great dude. And I'm, I'm hope we can be friends and still talk outside of here. And um, you know, anything you need or you just want to talk sometime, I'm always here. Uh, but I'm very, yeah. Thank you. I, I, I mean, yeah, if, if you uh, ever, ever need anything off me, um, we've got the show on February 19th. It's, maybe being streamed live so if it does i'll give you a link so you can obviously watch it uh, i'll be commentating on it um if oh, there's cool. any listeners out there who who are on social media sorry if i plug my uh, facebook no please game, promote whatever wrestling. you want um just get on there and support me and show me a bit of love on world pro wrestling page and you know i hope this inspired a few people and thank you for having me on my friend yeah, buddy. All right, we'll we'll talk in a little bit. And again, like I said, thank you for for coming on and sharing your story and being so honest. Thank you very much, my friend. God bless you. You too, brother. Bye now. Bye. Hey right, guys. Let's see. Let me end the call. Okay, he ended it. Or no, now I ended it. Um, I love people like that. He's just so cheerful and happy, and um, you know, like. If you talk to him, you wouldn't even know he has a disability because he's just a good dude and, you know, he just doesn't let it stop him. And um, I know he says, you know, it's 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 not the worst disability, which, you know, he's right, but it's still a disability and still impacts him. And um, he just pushes and he, and he, you know, it's got to inspire. It inspires me, but it's got to inspire a lot of people who, um, you know, there's people that are just, you know, it's got to be frustrating to know, like, I can't you know, remember this, I can't put this word together or whatever it is that's really just holding them back. It's kind of sucks. It's got to frustrate you. Um, whatever it is, that's making your life s- slow down and, and making it harder. It, it can be super, super frustrating. And, and, you know, so, um, but good for him who just turned it into something. He found something that he enjoyed as a 16 year old kid who just like, excuse me, <clears throat> who liked wrestling. And, now he, he, well, not only did he wrestle, but he now is promoting it. He has his own events. And, you know, he says uh, a wrestler came to one of his shows, AJ Styles. He is a very big wrestler. Uh, as I said, I don't watch wrestling, but I know enough of it. Uh, as you can tell, I went through, I kind of went uh, a little too far with wrestling in this one. Because <laughs> I, I really showed that I know wrestling because I used to watch it religiously. And, um, you know, I know enough about it because I really do respect that art form and that, you know, whatever you want to call it, sport or whatever, it is, uh, you cannot not respect these guys because they are tough as it gets. And, um, it's not the same as it used to be, but these guys are still ballsy and, and just, and, and women too. And a lot of these women now are are really athletic and, um, uh, people who don't know, uh, Ronda Rousey, who's a a real UFC fighter. She got into it because she loves it. And, um, real athletes, Brock Lesnar, who obviously was in UFC, but he was a wrestler first. And, um, these people just, they want to get into it because it's, it's, it, you know, you make a lot of people happy and angry at the same time, but people get really married to these characters. And, um, you know, I think what, um, with Matt, what, what, what Matt is doing, um, really putting representation of the disability community on his shows, uh, really will inspire a lot of these people because, man, someone with a disability, again, daydreaming. I don't think you'll see, you don't imagine a blind guy or 
someone with no legs or somebody out there wrestling, but it's possible. Um, I've seen people out there with, who are dwarfs wrestling, uh, even just a woman wrestling, a black guy wrestling for a while was kind of taboo. But, you know, um, you know, it, it, it again, I, I mentioned on, I think it was last episode, but there was a wrestler named Zach Gowan who had one leg and he wrestled. Um, and it, like I said, it's possible. It's just to the higher ups to make it happen. And since Matt knows what it's like to be one of us, and he is now one of the higher ups, he can make it happen. And that's that again, that's advocating in a different way. You don't always have to do something like what I'm doing. Everybody finds their own niche and finds a way of doing it. And so it doesn't have to be his voice. He can just do it through his promotion. And that's that's beautiful. Uh so I'll see you guys on the uh next episode. We will get out of here. Um, everybody take care of yourself. Thank you for the support. Bullets here chilling with me. And uh, yeah, goodbye, y'all.